Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. This is the second part of Chris's interview with Cape Breton rapper Mitchell Bailey. The snippet of the start is from Mitchell's new track released last Friday called All In. It's available on all good streaming platforms. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Best to come out of the place that I was placed. Thought I'd go distance when I was fresh out the gates. Read stories of those I know take their life away. It really hurts me, but I got this gift, so this is what I say. Beautiful stars, beautiful dreams, beautiful angels, beautiful scenes. All in the sound, music is peace. It's like an ocean, the blues always heals, yeah. This my redemption, so, yeah. I thought I'd let you know, that vision you're talking about even though like you said it, it you realize now that's not how you can be successful or it's not the only way to be successful was making it to dallas was making it to atlanta was that like really really in your vision yeah those are definitely checkpoints and i definitely like when i look at the rest of this year i want to i'm i'm like and i have things that i, I i'm obviously like you know i could probably say privately but i don't want to say publicly because it's not like set in stone yet but opportunities that hopefully will transpire when i can't tour the whole country like i need to check that off off my list like go across do shows out west canada because i know i could gain a lot of fans there i do like certain artists that seem to like really be establishing themselves that are out there that are doing um that are talented and actually good and they appreciate actually i think all of canada appreciates good music and then like that's still a uh, like a legitimate criteria to accept music um but uh and that's another thing too like i mean right I, what your expectations of of 22 at 18 are really un- unrealistic because you don't know what you've never experienced what those years are like before and i think i've always like every single day i need to accomplish things that will put that will be small victories towards the overall goal whether it's doing this podcast or writing a song or recording a song or shooting a video or sending an email or like filling out some kind of application for something or like doing an Instagram live. Like there's something every day that contributes to all of the things that will be achieved in a year. I completely feel what you're saying because thinking back to when I was an 18 year old rapper and then a 22 year old failed rapper, because that's essentially the direction my rap career went to hear you who have found a successful path at least so far a successful path knowing what you need to do to continue that success and also being aware of the fact that you still don't know what's to come with your future so you're humble and i think that's why a lot of people love your music yeah thank you man and i think that that's what i tried to rep like that's what i try to deliver in my music but i know too that the music that I've been writing and the plans I have are going to only capitalize on all of that existing things right now. Like I know like it only will continue growing because that is like, I have like more than ever for 2020, I have an organized approach. I have an organized plan. Like I have a whiteboard behind me with everything. Like I'm not saying I will achieve every goal that I wrote down on that, on that whiteboard. 
but I think that everything I wrote down on that whiteboard is achievable. You have a healthy ambition, basically. Yeah, and I have like a re- and my plans change. I mean, I go, I have new schemes every two to three days, and that is like becomes my main, my main obsession. And uh, you know, then I do that, and then I would kind of move on. But then they all kind of reoccur, and I attend to them again. But um, I think more than ever, I, I, I am, I am more. I and I have been more uh, like consistent and focused into into one goal, and I will make sure that I execute those goals. And that's how you really have to be, especially in music. Like you need to know that, like don't get into it if you think that you're going to release something and then you're going to blow up the next night. Like don't be in it for short term success. Like short term work and 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 quick results. And that's one in a million, and even the one in a million. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to really last because you peak so early, and then you're spending the rest of your career chasing that peak. Like I'm appreciative of my gradual growth because it'll make me appreciate the highest point that I can get to much more, and it creates a story too, man. So, um, and even and 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 to touch on the traveling stuff too, like you know, I plan to see the world. Like I, I, if it's from touring with music. I mean, that's where, why I want to see the world. And I, I'm confident that I will see a lot, a large portion of the world from playing shows, but regardless, man, like I, I, I just want to go to, I just like seeing, like I watch, I watch so many YouTube videos of like people that go to like ridiculous places that like no one would travel to like weird, <laughs> like places in like South America. And like, they do like borderline dangerous shit. And like, I love, I just am fascinated with, I'm not saying I'm going to go get myself killed, but, because uh, I'm not really like, a, cool. yeah, continue. No, no, I'm just saying it's, it's cool to see that you, you, you are so successful with music, but you still have desires, be it through music or just in life to live life. And, and you seem to recognize the fact that music gives you the opportunity to accomplish those personal goals. Yeah, and I think the best thing about that is you're in complete control of it. You know, like you're not getting rewarded with these great things like seeing certain places from, you know, doing something you necessarily don't enjoy. It's kind of well, it, but it's also you got to you have to work your ass off too cuz like, you know, but you do, you enjoy the process so it doesn't necessarily feel like work, but you know you're being productive. You feel good about that and then by doing that it could reward you with the opportunity to see a certain place. Cuz that's the thing, man, you do something enough and you put enough time into something like you will get rewarded for it in a way that will be unforgettable. And it's crazy cuz but then you feel like, you know, oh, I got an opportunity to travel here and, and perform or or open for this guy or this thing happened like it's like, wow, my life is amazing, but it's because I, I'm happy doing this every day and working towards this, and then an amazing thing happens. But like that amazing thing happened, and you were rewarded because you were already putting so much attention and work into the thing that got you that reward. If that does, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, perfect sense, brother. Perfect sense. That couldn't have actually honestly said it any better myself. And I mean, I don't like to look at my life as a failure per se, but seeing you seeing you have that like i said i've I've said it a couple times already since we've been chatting i probably sound like a broken record but you have a maturity that even if things don't work out the way you want them to work out you're gonna have the capabilities 
and and the awareness of of what you need to do to adjust to maybe still fulfill your goals just recognizing it might take longer or it might take a different path so i respect that man i really do i appreciate that man um uh what was i gonna say yeah this is this is like i was just i in the midst of this conversation i took a picture i posted on my instagram and i was like i think this might be my favorite interview that i've ever i've ever done awesome well i mean i've been talking to you about doing this i don't know for how long and and like our platform for our show is very sports related, but since this whole damn coronavirus thing happened, um, there's not a lot of sports to talk about. The only sports we really have to talk about is the fact that there's no sports. That's and true. We've we've been able we've been pretty lucky to get like I said we got, we got a couple of guys that went to CBU last year and got a guy that's going to CBU next year, so we've had an opportunity to give those guys um, something to break the the monotony, if you will, of this damn coronavirus. Um, how are you staying busy during it aside from the music thing, man? Like what does Mitchell do when he wakes up in the morning to, in quarantine? Man, um, I think it's a good question. I, I make coffee before I do anything. <laughs> and then I have a kind of like a ritual where I will sit in the corner of my living room in a chair and I will look I won't like look at the notifications on my phone until I'm sitting in that chair drinking a coffee. And there might be like a email that like is related to something that I was trying to get a response from or like maybe there's always like something that is like brought to my attention in the morning that's like music business related or like something related to because that's like 90% of what I use my phone for. So like, you know. I just kind of like live and breathe as corny and cliche as that sounds like this. Like I really do. No, man. The, you, if you don't put a hundred percent effort into what you love, you may as well put 0% in. That's the way I see it. That's a bar. Yeah, man. I, it's, it's, I mean, I, I've never, I, I haven't always lived by that mentality, but it's something that I've learned a lot over the last couple of years that I tell people um, in all walks of life of all ages, like if, if you have any doubt with what you're doing, pause and reassess your doubt and don't put yourself back into it unless you can do it at 100%. Facts, bro. 100%. Uh, probably after that, I, it, I guess it varies depending on the day. I mean, um, it depends on what I kind of have to do from I, – I spend a lot of time on my laptop, whether it's um, – because, I mean, it's like you know, if I'm writing, I'm writing music or I'm – I'm posting stuff on my social media, like that's engaging with people that is technically leading to something that's like music related, music business related, but not directly. Like, oh, I shot a music video the other day, which is like kind of, well, not like a super crazy music video, but like just like a nice, you know, remix music video, but like still, like still a dope, but like not like crazy production that took the whole day, just like staying busy, creating content and stuff to stay consistent during these times, which is kind of difficult too, because I can't necessarily go to the studio and record. I mean, I have stuff, I have microphones here that I could use and, and USB mics. I could probably record my vocals and send them to Sean who engineers and produces everything. But like, I remember doing trying to do it a few months ago and there was a lot of like latency in the mic and stuff. So I kind of, but I think I'll be able to, so I, but I've been staying busy. I've been doing the live performances from my, uh, living room and, uh, 
you know, promoting a lot of shit heavy and doing live streams on Instagram where I'll just literally talk like we are right now to people, like fans or supporters or, or just other artists or whatever for like an hour. And I go for runs too because I try to get out of the house and I like running because it's, I feel like it's, it's also good mentally because I kind of just go off in like a different zone and listen to music and stuff. Uh, I stay busy, man. Yeah, I, I, stay, I stay busy. I also started watching, uh, I, I only watch like Netflix shows though, like in the evening, like I can't really do it. Like unless I'm like eating <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> <You> sound like me. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I usually watch YouTube videos on my phone if I'm eating like interviews or podcasts or like news related things. But I started watching Ozark. Oh yeah. 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 I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard good things. Yeah. It's good, man. I needed a new show and, uh, I like shows that have, uh, levels of intensity due to drug cartels <laughs> but it involves like regular people like breaking bad i'm a big breaking bad guy and like everybody said well if you like breaking bad you could like ozark my dad said the exact same thing yeah so i'm gonna give it a shot i think yeah i i well there's three seasons i think so i just started the first season i think like it's kind of like getting a lot of attention recently because they just put up the third season but uh, I'm starting from from scratch here, but yeah, it's good, man. It's really good. And uh, I watched uh, shows that I've recently watched, like second season of Narcos, Mexico. Great show. Yeah. Did you watch the second season? No, I I have it downloaded. Me and my grandfather are gonna sit down and watch it. I got that. Um, uh, what's that called? Uh, John Ryan. What's his name? Not John Ryan. Is it John Ryan? Is he a comedian? No, it's a. Uh... It's a Tom Clancy show. I think it's called Jack Ryan. I'm cheating right now. I'm, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a kind of a running joke on the Down the Pub podcast that Chris looks at his phone once to fact check. If somebody like myself who who sometimes feels like they know too much gets humbled every once in a while when they forget something. But yeah, no, I downloaded this uh, this Jack Ryan show for my grandfather. I'm gonna get him into Better Call Saul, and uh, Ozark was another show that I'm gonna end up checking out, but. Um, I got the first season of Narcos that I'm going to just let him watch straight through all day, one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then probably sit down and watch the second season with him because if I don't do that, he'll watch the second season and spoil half of it on me. <laughs> That's great bonding time, bro. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's been fun. It's, it's difficult though. I mean, we lost my grandmother in August, 2018. So like I've, I'm used to the situation time. yeah yeah I'm, I'm used to the this me and my grandfather have always been close but like we've we've gotten really close and this has been almost uh kind of like the first time we feel like we're 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 partners in this thing because since my grandmother passed away I always kind of felt like I'm I'm here to work not work but like that's the only way I can really put it like, you know, I still have to wake up in the morning and, and make sure the garbage is all good stuff for him and make sure his pills are all sorted. And, like, there's still lots of little things I have to do. Um, but he's become so independent that it's given us time the last couple of weeks since this coronavirus thing started, like you said, to bond. Mm -hmm. And it's around the television. He's a big wrestling guy. And, and I was when I was young, mostly because of him. And I stopped watching wrestling for well over a decade until I moved back in here with him. And, and that's really the, 
the thing that I, I keep telling people, like, just find a way to bond with the people you're around, even if you don't like them, <laughs> because it's going to make this situation so much easier. Totally. A hundred percent. I mean, maybe the universe needed to, you know, enforce some kind of just pause on everything. Maybe the world was just moving too quickly. Like maybe people were just too trying to just keep up with everything way too quick. And we're always like overly informed with their phones and, and, and everyone's trying to outdo the next person. And, you know, it's, it, it gets, you know, things can get overwhelming after a while and maybe this was something that was needed you know yeah. so there's a man way you, it. yeah but i'm also i'm sorry to hear about your grandmother oh uh, yeah man it's been it's been hard especially since like my son is my son turns three in about a month so um she she loved my son in in the very brief time that she had to spend with him and that's probably like one of the only things in life that I really, really get myself down on is that my son's not going to be able to have that connection with my grandmother the way me and my brother did. But my mom and my son's mom, her mom, um, they're two of the absolute best grandparents on earth. So my son's got the love from my grandmother. So I appreciate it, brother. I really do. It's been, it's been tough because I mean, you talk about it and it's a selfish thing because I have some friends who, who grew up, they not even they didn't even know their grandparents, didn't even have their grandparents. Um, I was very blessed that right up until August 2018, I still had all four of mine. So I don't take it for granted now, um, being under the same roof as my grandfather, obviously. You, you can't get away from it even if you wanted to, but it's been a blessing and, and it's it makes me really wish I could have had these kind of moments with my dad's parents. They live in Ontario. And I'd say in my entire life combined, I've maybe spent six months total with them, just like from different vacations from, you know, two weeks this summer, two weeks that summer, um, one week this summer. So it's 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 been hard, man. And I do appreciate the love. I really do. And thanks for letting me kind of rant about this, too. I just had a couple other questions. I mean, it's a sports podcast, and I'm supposed to really focus on the sports part, but I told Anthony the first time I did one of these, we were probably barely going to talk sports. Um, but you were talking earlier in the show about how uh, your hip-hop influence came from driving in the car on the way to soccer games. What was your upbringing like with soccer? Were you like a superstar player, or was it just something you did recreationally? Did music take you away from soccer? Do you still play? What's what's soccer to you? Like, I, I was really taken aback when you were mentioning on Instagram that you wanted to come to a Wanderers game with me because I was just like, holy shit, Mitchell likes soccer. And then you signed the soccer ball from my son's brothers. And I was just like, this dude must have a soccer background. So just speak on it, brother. Yeah, man. Um, that was like, that was it for me, bro. Like, that was my life. <laughs> I swear to God, like, because... Um, when I started playing in fourth grade, like that was the only sport I, I, I really, I really played because I didn't really play any sports, like growing, getting up to that point. Like I was like from elementary school, like to beginning to like fourth grade, I, I was really into just like, uh, like when I was in third grade, I'm just gonna give some background here leading to the soccer. No, boy, but, I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, I was, uh, I, I was super into anime. Which like that did not ex I my interest in that did not 
go past fourth grade. Like, I know that it's, like, kind of, like, the cool thing. Like, a lot of people, like, even in hip-hop, they're, like, have a lot of anime references and, and, and use that with their, like, cover art and stuff like that. But that was, like, like I had a website. I had a message board when I was in third grade uh, that had, like, 80 members. Um, and it was, like, about Dragon Ball Z and shit. Straight up. Yeah. And that was, like, oh, but then, I, but then when I got to fourth grade four, I was, like, man, what, like, Am I a nerd? <laughs> like, what? Well, I mean, we were we were just talking about. I was just talking about connecting with my grandfather through wrestling. Yeah, it was kind of similar for me. Like, come grade five, grade six, you were you were integrating with different friends from different schools because, yeah. like, the elementaries would go into like a junior high, and less people liked wrestling, talked about wrestling, knew who Stone Cold or The Rock or Mick Foley were. Like, they didn't know who any of these people were. So, like you said am i a nerd like, <laughs> but it's i have like, to stop watching this <laughs> yeah well i was like nine so i was like whatever like in retrospect it's fine but i was like i bet i could be good at sports but i don't want to start playing hockey because i feel like that's too late my grandfather actually my mom's dad um he played for the montreal canadians farm team like in the 50s oh, okay and uh, his brother actually played for the Los Angeles Kings, I believe. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but I never met him. Like he he passed away before I was born. But um, so there was like a hockey background in my family. Okay. Yeah, the last you could look him up, Leo Amadio. That's my grandfather. He has like I think he has like sports statistics on Google and stuff. But uh, he yeah, so that was like kind of a background. But I never played hockey, but. I uh, I wanted to like play the sport that nobody else that I went to school with played because then I could be the best at it. Um, because I'm a psychopath, but um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I just I liked it. Like, I played it in the we played in gym a few times and at recess, and I was like, oh man, I'm kind of good at soccer. So in the summer, I, I got my dad to like put me in like just under whatever it was ten, or I might even been under twelve. I don't know, but anyway, I. Yeah, it was funny because Glace Bay was like the worst team always. Like, <laughs> and then Cape Breton as a whole would be like the worst team provincially, provincially. So I was like in a shitty situation, but like, still I was I was really enjoying it. I remember like I, as soon as I started playing, I was like, "This is my thing. I love this." And I was I was when the U twenty World Cup was in Canada, I think, and I started watching it on TV. And I was like, I, that was like my thing. I was like, this is so sick. And I think that's why I like. Like I want to go to like Central American countries and South American countries because I was so I just watched soccer so I was like dog and that and then I would I was really like I wasn't just like watching the Premier League and stuff like I want I cared about what was happening here and that was the year that Toronto FC was the have we're have we're having their inaugural season so this is two thousand and seven uh, and I would like videotape like I would record on VHS their games if they were too late I'd miss them and stuff and they'd always lose and uh <laughs> the early days for sure yeah yeah and they were like i remember like it took like four games for them to score a goal and uh but i remember it so that was like when i started playing and then the next year i played glace bay like just whatever tier two or whatever but i was like starting to become like one of the better players in the team and then the next year and then i played like winter soccer for like like cape breton it was like cape breton recreate uh cape breton training or whatever and by the time like by the second year i was playing i there was like a once a week at cbu um gathering of just players that were potential candidates or already did play for like the provincial teams 
like depending on like it was all the like I was the youngest one there, so I would have been um I would have been eleven, and I was training with people that were like eighteen and sixteen and fourteen and stuff like anyone from each different age. Like I wasn't on the same team as them, but everyone would train together and we would scrimmage and do all these different drills and stuff. It was like anyone from Cape Breton that could be eligible in their age division for the Nova Scotia provincial team. So yeah, I would train with them and then I play in the winter. And then by that summer I played for like the Cape Breton selects. And then we would, we would, we would, uh, we would go and play. So I did that for like three summers all the way up to like, I was 14 and, uh, yeah, so we would play all the different uh, like Halifax teams and get absolutely crushed because they would be able to train in the winter. And then this was like the year that we just got like the indoor soccer dome at CPU. So like I think the Cape Breton teams are actually like some of the better teams now. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, the the women's team was good, honestly, like pretty much right after I was out of high school. But the men's team in the last, I want to say. Are you talking CBU? Are you talking CBU? Yeah. Okay, because I, I don't know about, about about them. I'm just talking about, like, under-14, like, the Cape Breton teams and stuff. But Sorry, bro, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But, no, I, I know, but, like, I, I just remember because we didn't have, like, an indoor soccer dome, the train in the winter. So everyone that would play in the summer, even the best players, like, they would not get to train in the winter while all the other, like, Tier 1 teams from Halifax and surrounding areas would get to train. So then by the time the summer came around, we're training again, but they were training all year round. And then we play them and we lose like 10-1 or something like that, you know? So, um, but yeah, like you were saying, but the women's, the, the CPU women's team always was, was, was really good. And the men's team had its, had its time too, but they're not all from here either, right? Because they're coming from all over the place. Well, we the, the, the last couple guys we interviewed, um, one's from Ireland, one's from England, and one's from Germany. So and they all live in Cape Breton. Well, they they were all living in Cape Breton. Corey Bent and Peter Shallow were, are their names. They play for the Wanderers now, but they went to CBU for the last four years. And uh, I believe his name is Kane Lynch. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, brother, because you were just on the show. Um, he's from Ireland, and he's starting, I believe, next year. Um, he went to school actually down in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh yeah, he was in Savannah, just outside of Atlanta. And uh, now he's plying the rest of his trade at CBU. So they've done really good with the soccer program up there. Like you were saying, now they're one of the best. I kind of cut you off and thought you were talking about CBU itself. But the actual overall soccer program as a whole has definitely improved. Yeah, definitely. And and it kind of began improving after I wasn't as immediately present in in all that. Like I wasn't like as devoting my time because like up in like basically what happened was like is every summer I was playing on the like the Cape Breton selects I think I think they go by Cape Breton FC now I'm not sure but like that's like the tier one representative of, of like the the highest quality of players in Cape Breton for each age group and um I think my last year was was under 14 in 2011 so but I but I did try out in 2012 no I tried out for under 16 actually so the last year the last summer I played I was like 14 and under 14 and then the next year I was uh turning 15 then in the summer but I had to try out for under 16 so I was of the younger group and I missed tryouts because I had mono and I wasn't really in, in like top tier shape so I actually didn't end up making the team which was like 
you know, kind of shocking to people because like I was like one of the the prodigies for a little bit, but um, I don't think my heart was in it then either though, because like that was when I was starting to get more interested in music and I wasn't recording anything or releasing anything, but that's when I started writing because I started writing in the ninth grade during March break. I don't know why I remember that, but I like physically remember the first time I ever wrote anything. And I think like my first two lines had something to do with how Kendrick Lamar inspired me to start writing because I was obsessed with Kendrick Lamar at that, at that point in like 2012. Um, so yeah, I think that that had to do with it. I think that like I just wasn't as passionate for for soccer when I was trying out and didn't make the team. But I used to. My thing was like I was a very technical player, so I wasn't like I played like left or center midfield usually, and uh, I would like my thing was when I was like at my prime of obsession with with soccer, like I would just juggle all the time because my coach for the winter and stuff and he was like head of operations for uh soccer in cape red and i think he actually might be like the head coach of cbu now he was the assistant for the longest time i don't know if he's the head coach now he definitely was dino morley dino that's his name dino he's a legend he is a legend because and he was he was my coach like he was my guy like when i was in like sixth sixth grade like what a small world that is so so just to put it into a perspective not to cut you off um the, the last the last two guys that we interviewed that play for the Wanderers were coached by Dino for the last four years, and they're professionals. Um, and then, this, like I said, this other fellow, he's coming over to play for him. So you definitely have a feather in your cap being coached by somebody of his pedigree, in all honesty, bro. Yeah, bro. Like I want that's, but this isn't it so interesting. Like this is a sports podcast, and we spent the first hour and twenty minutes talking about music and my musical career because it's like, oh, we got this hip-hop artist on here there's not really going to be any relevance talking about like sports history or anything with him but in a sense like <laughs> you know what i mean like he used to coach me bro like i would direct so many people oh as many yeah, people man. as i could over to you know following your guys's instagram page and, and, and stuff like that i would i would yeah. definitely do that in exchange for having this on my channel because i really feel like we're covering crazy ground right now <laughs> i know i mean like i said man, i was thinking i think in an hour in my head and here we are an hour and a half I don't really have podcast this long. Oh man, me too. Uh, or longer. I mean, yourself sometimes is is three plus hours, and and that literally eats my afternoon up while I'm working. I I'm sitting there and bam, uh, I, before bang. I know, it, three four hours are gone, and it's that little outro music that he has on his show, and I'm just like, wow, I just I just aimlessly gathered three hours of information, but I really wasn't paying attention, and that's the beauty of a podcast is that it's I love it. It's it's informative background noise is what I've always said to people. And, totally. And, and I think it's important for this time too. Like yeah. oh, a yeah. lot of people are inside their houses. Maybe they don't even have roommates or people they're living with maybe they're by, their, by themselves. You know what I mean? Like to be able to throw something on and listen to two people converse for a period of time, it makes you feel like you're there. You're in that conversation because there's things that you're listening to and you're agreeing to what someone's saying and, you know, disagreeing or just, you're just, you know, it, it makes your brain active, you know? But it's crazy about but Dino, bro, because like yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to ask, what, what was it like playing for Dino? I never like he was never my permanent coach. Like he was never like I okay. played for the summer and he was the coach. It was more always in the winter because he would be okay. the head coach of like he would just be the guy running the sessions for the indoor training usually. But he ran all of the uh, 
I would say like the administrative tasks and, and, and operations for all of the scheduling, I would think that that was going on. And then he would be like the, the most prestigious coach you could have a session with and stuff. But he was, um, he was, he was cool, man. And he always, he always, like, he must use some kind of, he always had a scent. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, bro. He had like some strong cologne all the time. I was like, this man is, but it wasn't like in a way where you're like, oh man, like it's too strong. It was like, I kind of like admired it. I was like, man, this guy, this guy's fresh, you know? That's one of my favorite quotes I think about a head coach in general that I've ever heard in life. Man, keep all of this in. Keep all this in. You don't have to touch anything. But I, I would easily listen to this whole thing as a as a consumer. But yeah, no, he he was a good coach. I remember one time because I used to like it. Obviously, like you can't go outside and and kick the ball around in the winter when it's when it's minus twenty and there's snow everywhere. But I remember I would always. Uh, in my living room in my house I would use the couch as a as a net and I'd make my younger brother be the goalkeeper and I would just like be like trying to like finesse him and and score and I would be juggling in the living room and stuff and I one time I broke a a curio cabinet in my living room from like hitting the ball off the couch and it smashed the curio cabinet and uh I was in shit because I kept I was I kept being told not to to play soccer in the house which is a reasonable uh a reasonable suggestion but i remember dino told my mom that when i become a professional soccer player that i'll be able to buy her multiple curio cabinets wow that see that's that's respect on another level right there he saw something in you at a young age and i said i'm gonna be a rapper <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think we could all be thankful that you you were multi-talented at least that you ended up having the choice of the two and and I think you made a pretty damn good choice to rap, but um, definitely going to have to kick the soccer ball around this summer, man. And you'll have to come out to a Wanderers game, hopefully, if if this yeah. damn coronavirus goes away. Crazy. Um, I, yeah, I really want to go to a game. And, um, yeah, definitely kick the ball. Like, that was my thing, though, like juggling. That was my – that was I, I would just juggle because that's what he said, that that was like that's what you had to do because it was like – Cause Dino really like, and maybe I could credit some like work ethic that I use today to those, 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 those like practices and stuff. Because he would always he would always say like, um, you know, you guys need to at least be practicing for two and a half hours a day. And he's like, in Argentina they play eight hours a day, yep. and in England we play twelve hours a day. Yep. And I was like, damn. And I was like, you play twelve hours a day every single day. And because he played professional too, he played for I think uh, Nottingham Forest. I think that's the team. Okay, okay. Like I looked at, at, at but like, but he, I don't think he was a, uh, like he did probably play different different professional leagues. I think like he might have been subbed on a few times. I don't know if, while they were in the Premier League or maybe he was starting when they were in like League One or the league below the Premier League and stuff. But I um I remember him saying that, and I was like, damn, like he played twelve hours a day every day. And he did play professional, but now he's coaching me. And I want to be, like, a star. So I'm like, damn, I need to practice way more. And it kind of stressed me out, bro. Like, I was 12. Like, I was I was pressed. I was stressed. And uh, But then I was like, I need to go home, and I need to, I need to practice like crazy because it's like I have 24 hours in a day. I can definitely 
be kicking the ball against the door for two hours or practice my passes and then go outside and, and juggle for two hours. And it got me to a point where I remember one day I juggled and I kept the ball up 2,000 times. Holy shit. And it took like, like 20 minutes. And I still can do it to this day. Like I could still, I think I actually beat the record with a basketball like in 2018. <laughs> oh man, your shins must have been ruined. Yeah, hurt. Yeah, but uh, it's weird because your feet. It takes tw- like it takes twenty minutes. Cause I think every time, and I there's probably like this. This is a sports podcast too, so there's probably people like listen to this being like that's bullshit. Or like <laughs> fuck this guy, but like for real, I like because I feel like once you once you're doing it, uh, it 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 kind of just becomes re- repetition. So it doesn't like get it doesn't get harder as you as you gradually keep doing it. I mean, it gets physically taxing on your like calves yeah but like uh you know once you kind of get that like repetition down of like going up a a certain height from your foot and just kind of looking at it and you're able to do it with both feet and you can kind of go as long as you want as long as you it's like it's more of a mental thing i think doing something like that. that's actually a good point it is mental especially when you got people watching you when you're doing it and and i always say to people try to practice walking with the ball because if you can ever, if you can walk with the ball, and even if you if if you've never done a kick up before, and you can kick that ball up two or three times while you're walking, it's so much easier to do standing still. And and, and I I definitely don't discredit what you said. I believe it. I've I've seen people pull off uh, ridiculous numbers of kick ups. Like I I remember this fella Diego that I played Dartmouth United with. He ended up doing kick ups for forty. I think it was forty two minutes or something like that. And it was while we were Crazy. up in Cape Breton, ironically, playing their selects team for under 18. And, you know, you, you're watching him do his kickups. You go back in the hotel. You do your thing. You come back up, and he's still doing his kickups. You go back inside. You get something out of the pot machine. You're talking to somebody on the team. You come back out, and he's still doing his kickups. And you've assumed that he's dropped the ball two, yeah. three, four times. So, you know, you, you go and do what you got to do. And then you come back and, you know, all this happens within a half hour and he's still kicking the ball up, but he has a crowd. And yeah, <laughs> people yeah. in the crowd are like, this guy's been kicking the ball for a half hour. <laughs> so Diego, after it was all over, we we were all fascinated. And, and this was before the Shout out Diego. Yeah, Diego was incredible, man. Diego was absolutely unreal. And uh, we were like, man, that was incredible. You know, is that the longest you've ever done? He said, no, I probably could have did it for two hours, but people started watching me. And I, that put me into a whole perspective. Like, this guy's life is this sport that sometimes when he wakes up in the morning, that's his thing. He just kicks the ball. And kicking the ball up in the air for two hours is absolutely nothing to him. Like he said, there was one time... He ended up doing it. the 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 time he did it, the very longest, was two hours because his father stopped him after two hours. Um, and he said that what he would do is, is he would be like keeping it up and kicking it up. But when he needed to take a break, he would balance the ball on his head and would just kind of like relax his legs by moving his neck around and keeping the ball up. He said that he remember. I don't know if you remember. You might be too young for this, not to age, not to pull the whole age card, but they, yeah. they did like a world blackout. I want to say 2004, five, um, where like all the, all the places in the world that considered themselves first world decided to like use. I remember that. Yeah. So you remember this? So yeah. So for that, he, for charity decided to do the keep ups with the ball on his head and he ended up doing it for nearly six hours. 
Oh my god, that guy is, is he professional or semi professional? He ended up playing with me on Dartmouth United the first year I played under eighteen. Um I don't know how Sheldon got him to play with us, but he was way better than all of us. And after that I honestly never heard or saw anything of him until I think I might have been twenty three and he was playing for some team in Brazil. I think it's like Serie D one or something like it's like the third or fourth division in Brazil, but wow. he ended up scoring this wonder goal. And, and after we're done talking, I'm going to see if I can still find it on YouTube and show it to you. He throws the ball in off of this guy's butt. Uh, actually, no, oh, actually, no, that's what it was. It was the goalie. So the goalie had ran out to play the ball and did a slide tackle and it went out for a throw. Diego got the ball and threw it off of the goalie's ass. And oh before the God. ball even hit the ground, he just hits it one time. 35 yards like Zlatan Ibrahimovic would swish top corner. And like, I I think he was on like ESPN top 10 and everything. And he was, he was unbelievable. If, as far as I know, he ended up playing professionally. Um, It was in Brazil and it was at a lower level, but you compare the Brazilian leagues to other countries around the world. He, he was a high level player, man. Just. I wonder if he's still professional now. I'm 30, and we played U18 together. Uh, if he was playing at that level at that age, he might not be. But mm. like I said, once we're done talking, I'm I'm gonna like go on YouTube, and I had him on Facebook when I was younger. I don't think he even has Facebook anymore. But I'm gonna do a little bit of digging and see if I could find him. He might have um, glowed up. <laughs> maybe he did. He might be like <laughs> way bigger than I actually thought he was, and I've I've got something to brag about that I didn't even know about. Like holy shit, that was Diego we played with back in the day, but. Yeah, yeah those were the days, man. And honestly, the, the, the games against those Cape Breton select teams were were always a challenge because even though, like you said, you guys weren't the greatest, there was like a pride that you guys had. Like Cape Breton is obviously a part of Nova Scotia, but you guys kind of had your own regional pride to represent. Um, similar to like the Valley mm-hmm. team we, we would play growing up all the time. Like we were one of eight teams in the city and yeah, we had all kinds of really good players and yeah, most of the time we beat these guys, but you know, you always had to be humbled by the Cape Breton selects by the Valley teams. Uh, I remember we played against a Yarmouth team when I was growing up and, and we were like that many people play soccer down in Yarmouth. Like we would joke, but at the end of the day, everybody has a love for the game at the same kind of passion, the same kind of passion rate. Like, you were saying you don't have the opportunities to train around the, well, now you do maybe, but back then when you were growing up, you may not have had the opportunities to train around the year like we did in the city, but that just made you have to be inventive and creative when it came for your love for the game. So I always, I always used to love going up and playing against Cape Breton, man, because there was just a pride to those guys. Like, and, and we played a really good Cape Breton select team. The first year we won six, four, and then we tied 2-2 when we went up there. And then when they came down here, we ended up losing. And then the following year, we lost to them. We got our asses kicked, actually. But by the time wow. we played them the third game, we tied them. And that was like that was a feather in our cap because, you, you know, not again, I'm, I'm doing the age thing. You're younger than me. The Cape Breton soccer has come so far from, from when you were playing that U14 level to when I was playing, you know, I was playing at that level before you, but I had seen that the U18 level, how it was growing. Now it's, it's, 
every once in a while, Cape Breton is the best team in the province. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think, I think with, um, my, I think with my understanding of soccer and my, uh, like, obviously like my musical career and endeavors, I, 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 a lot of my music is definitely like motivational as well. And, 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 you know, I would think a lot of, like, I know the people that go and work out and listen to my, some of my music and, you know, it, it motivates them to, to pursue their passion or to, you know, up their work ethic or whatever. And I think, uh, I think, um, I relate to athletes a lot and I, I, I think I would some, some, I'll probably get along with a lot of athletes more than artists, right <laughs> you know, like, um, because, you know, there, it is a required work ethic, you know, and that's kind of how I, I take my approach to, to creating into music and stuff. And we'll definitely have to go to a Wanderers game. And I was, I didn't even know that shit was happening. Like I remember seeing on Instagram, it was like high quality videos, like the whole marketing and, and production around the Canadian Premier League is, is top, is top notch. Like, it's not like, it's like, it's serious. Like it looks, it, but I never knew it was even happening. It was just like one day, boom, on Instagram, they have all verified accounts for each team. And there's like, different like there's all professional stadiums that they're playing at i'm sure they're not like soccer specific stadiums all of them but um there's fans and there's a culture and i'm like damn this is like when mls started and actually it's it's funny you say that you you were talking about when we were chatting on instagram that that's really the soccer you watch the mls um and (laughs) I, i kind of i've become i was the type of person because i grew up manchester united fan i was spoiled by watching English soccer and, and, and yeah. So like I was always a hater of the MLS in a weird way, but over the years I've, I've learned to grow, to love and appreciate the grassroots element of what makes the MLS. And you said it when the Canadian premier league just kind of happened, I said to myself, this is exactly what we need as a country. It's cool having Toronto and yeah. Montreal and Vancouver playing in the MLS, but to have a Halifax team, to have um, a team in Victoria rather than Vancouver, to have a team in Edmonton and Calgary, it really validates the fact that as a country, we've come such a long way when it comes to soccer. So what really... Yeah, it creates that culture. Yeah, 100%. And you, you were saying that that was what really got you into the MLS. Like, do you still watch... I know there's nothing on today, but, like, do you still follow it today? Like, do you watch all the time like do you know all the players on tfc or is it just you're more casually observing i was casually observing until the summer like i started watching every game since like 2019 like august like i started watching um pretty much every game the tfc played it was funny too because as soon as i started watching them in like late august or whatever they won every game like after like, oh, like the last one they went on was incredible yeah and i watched the the mls cup finals when i was in dallas and it was like the last day that we were there and uh me and mickey went to there was this like restaurant slash pub that we found and it was sick it was like there was no it was had a rooftop and it was like right in the middle of the city you go on the roof and it was never packed and uh, it's called the Sky Blossom. Shout out to them. I'm going back there. Okay. And uh, we were sitting outside uh, the day of the show, but then like the last day we were there was the day of the MLS Cup Finals when Toronto was playing Seattle. And um, 
I was like, this is perfect. We have no obligations today. We're going down there. It was a what was the hottest day. It was nice. We're going to watch the finals here. We got there early as hell, drinking beer. There was nobody there. It was like we were there for four or five hours. And we watched the whole wow. game. We got them to put it on the TV. And Toronto played like shit. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did lay an egg in that final, man. It was, it was a dull game. It was like. Yeah. Well, Seattle, Seattle's whole tactical base last year was to counter. And Toronto's whole tactical base was to possess. So you have, on one hand, a team that likes to hold on to the ball and not shoot a lot. And on the other hand, you have a team that would prefer to not have the ball at their feet at all until you make a mistake. And then we're going to try to take advantage the other way. Yeah, so that's perfect. And, and it, like you said, it was, it, was, it was dull. I mean, I loved it. Personally, I, 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 as you've probably gathered from us knowing each other through social media over the last few months, sports is my life. So from the nerd aspect, I was fascinated by that game because it was like watching two. It was like watching checkers versus chess. Well, no, no, no. But you're 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 not wrong because. Even though, like, from a nerd perspective, that was a fascinating game. Well, okay, that 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 changes my perspective on it too. I like that it was fascinating to you, though. Like, I, I'm happy that there is a positive from that. Like, I didn't see it that way, and I mean, you're more you're more involved with. That's the thing with with soccer. Like, it, it's an acquired taste, and I always try to explain to people because it can be boring. That I've I've explained to people. I never thought it was boring ever. I I no, prefer I, to watch it over any sport. Straight up, and I'm the same way. Like I, I'm I'm so into it though that I can find um, the intricacy, and I guess evidently you too. I mean, I'm I'm speaking like you don't have that kind of in you. Like if if soccer is the sport that you'd rather watch rather than most other sports, then then you're more on the same page um, as I am oh, than yeah. than I'm saying. Oh in, yeah, in all honesty, but... I would rather watch like a like an Italian Serie A like just regular game than like a playoff game and he, like like literally i will choose soccer over watching any other sport all the time yeah, I, <laughs> like it's the most it's the most it's the most watched sport it's the most loved sport it's the most accessible sport by a landslide sport and and i feel like we're we're in this perfect age like your story sounds similar to mine like the game started to blow up after i stopped playing which even though we have the eight years age difference um we kind of stopped playing. It sounds like at a similar age, like I continued playing senior B into my mid twenties, um, which is kind of around the same time where you stopped playing when you were playing U 14. So we both experienced, I think the sport in its infancy in the growth that it's about to go on. And I think that we're very, very lucky that we're going to grow old seeing this sport potentially end up being the number two sport in this country because as my, as much as hockey dominates the airwaves in this country, I don't see football's longevity lasting because there's less kids playing it. Yeah, um, there's less kids playing baseball, and and as much as I love baseball as well, that's a hard sport to really get entertained by. Um, and even with basketball, I mean, it's it's the fastest growing sport in the world. I'm a basketball coach. I love basketball, but I feel like we're we're, we're with basketball. It's a it's you have a team of ten to twelve kids. Um, it's very limited in, in the resources in the sense that kids can get to 
being exceptionally good at it. Whereas with soccer, there's so many different avenues, teams, academies, leagues, structures. There's really no way to fail with soccer. And I think that that's what's going to be great. Like I have, I have a three-year-old here in a couple of weeks and, you know, it's going to be great seeing him grow up playing a sport now that has the, the facilities, like you were talking about earlier, not having the facilities when you were younger to play year round for my son, he's going to be able to have those facilities. My godson right now, he has those facilities. I think we're really, really lucky at the same time as we were unlucky (laughs) that this all is happening after. Um, But for somebody like myself who loves the game, it sounds like that you're you're going to be all in as it gets go as it gets bigger and better. Definitely, I always wanted it to get bigger and better, man. It, I always want the Canadian men's national team to do well too. When I was watching the, uh, um, I don't know if you were keeping up with the uh, like the Concacaf Gold Cup in the summer. Yeah, um, and I think that's what led to me getting back into watching soccer and then watching TFC. Um, like when when Canada was looking so good, man, they beat Cuba like seven nil. Like that was crazy, and then they and then they go to, I think they they still like so they were on top. I think they, what well, I think the game with them in Mexico was really interesting too because they were holding their own. It was and an like, unbelievable game. Yeah, like that was crazy. And uh, but then that and then they played Haiti and they were up by two, weren't they? And then they just shit the bed so bad. It was so painful to watch. And what was crazy, too, was I missed the game while it was live. I don't know for what reason, but I PVR'd it. And then I remember the next day, like, getting ready to watch it during the summer. And I sat down, and and I was like, because I knew that it was over. Like, I knew I could just Google what the score was. But I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not looking anywhere where I, I would see the score of that game and I wa- I sat down and I watched it and I remember when shit started looking shaky and I was like man it's crazy the a- amount of of an- like anticipation and like you know that feeling when you're watching a really close game but a team that you really yeah. care about and you're like really on the edge and you're like fuck but it was like crazy to me because I knew it wasn't live like I knew this happened last night so I could just google <laughs> and see what the result was right but I was like no I needed I'm not look I'm just gonna watch it I'm gonna see what happens and then it was crazy and even and it was crazy too because uh Lindsay my girlfriend was next to me and she she started watching it with me too towards the end when they were losing 3-2 I think yeah. and uh and I think she looked up when they scored when Hades finally scored the goal and put them ahead she like looked at the score and she kind of gave me that look where I feel like it it meant that Canada didn't win, and uh, but I still had a little bit of hope that they did. But as it was getting closer yeah. to like the ninetieth minute, and I was like, oh, they're not gonna score. And then they scored, but it was offside. It was offside, yeah. And I was like, no way, they scored. That's crazy. But I was like so surprised because her she didn't give me a look of hope. And then I looked at her and she was like confused, and I was like. Okay, so they didn't win. So this is not going to count for some reason. But uh, it's painful watching the men's team. Just, you know, I want them to get better. You know, I want to see our country have a better team. So. It's it's a golden generation now, brother. I mean, on you could, you could almost argue that as much as that Haiti game sucked, it might be the best thing going forward for a lot of those young guys on the team. I mean – Alfonso Davies and, and Jonathan David alone, they're they're pretty much the future of our national team. Um, like you said, they were breezing through that tournament. They were just destroying everybody. It became almost 
they got almost a little bit cocky. They were up 2-0 at halftime. And it, it, we were just talking about the Toronto-Seattle game. That was another kind of, 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 of another game of tactical chess where Canada was like a really wide-based team. And they were penetrating from the wings every time, every attack. Haiti found such a such a great way during the second half to like clog up the middle of the field that every time Canada checked the ball back, Haiti were pressing. And and I mean, you you watch the game. I've never seen momentum shift in a game like that aside from like a couple of Champions League finals growing up. Um, it was madness. And, and as much as it sucked, I look forward to seeing where that game is going to take these young guys that were on that team because I feel like that experience is going is going to make sure that they they shore up next time they're up 2-0 with a half hour left in the or not a half hour 40 minutes left in the game but yeah it's actually kind of cool hearing you talk about that um that game because the Wanderers just signed um Jems Jeffrard who was a center back on the Haitian national team during that tournament during that game um you should have him on well, we're going to try to actually. We're we're talking about how it would be great to have him on because he's an example of somebody who was very good at the sport. But that turn like like Haiti, Haiti's a great country for the sport, but a lot of great Haitian players end up representing other nationalities because they go to play for different countries at young ages. So and and Gems was one of those people. So it was really cool seeing the underdog in every sense of the word, really, because that's exactly what they were. Um, take it to that level. I think I'm. This is terrible. I should know this. I think they made it to the final. This the Concacaf. Yeah. Really? Honestly, this, this is, no. They made. It was, that was the semi. It was the semi. Okay. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, because they they beat Canada, so they went to the semis because that was a quarterfinal game. And then they lost against Mexico, I think, didn't they? Yeah, and it was. I remember I, the reason why it's kind of blanking on me right now is because I remembered the game being good. Yeah, Mexico beat Haiti one nil in extra time. So like Haiti went from being a country that sometimes doesn't even qualify for the Gold Cup crazy. to arguably being the third best team in the tournament. So as much as it sucked as a Canadian fan and, and, and somebody who wants to see the Canadian national team progress, that's that we're going to be that Haiti story in a weird way. You can't compare the two countries, obviously, because, you know, they're still recovering from that devastating earthquake. I don't know how many years ago now, like the, the infrastructure in Canada and the advantages we have in healthcare and medicine and stuff like our athletes should be, twice three ten times the the people that these these haitian players are but at the end of the day when you're on that field 90 minutes it's all about the love of the game and how much you're going to leave on the field we were talking earlier about um don't do something unless you know you put 100 percent into it and that's what them haitian boys did and the canadian guys they got cocky and they thought that they like you said they won oh they won you know i assumed that they were going to win i felt the same way and I, I remember my buddy actually um, went out to smoke a joint. And, you know, again, Canada's up 2-0, so you're assuming that they're going to hold on. So he goes out to smoke a joint. His mom calls. They, they're having their conversation. And he's thinking to come back in and, you know, maybe Canada would be up 3-0 or 4-0 at that point. But it was literally as the, as the Haitian fellow was stepping up to take the penalty to tie it up at 2. And he was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 
why the hell did I do that? Yeah. Looking down at his wee table. Or like he was responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the superstition of the game. Like I, I, I used to go to Bubba Ray's all the time. Um, Bubba Ray's sports bar to watch games with this guy. And he would drape his, his scarf and his flag over, over the table. And he would say a prayer and all this other stuff. And at halftime, he would go outside. He would never smoke the whole cigarette. And he only used to give the second bit of the cigarette to me. He had all these crazy superstitions, same socks, same jeans. He had this crazy belt buckle. Like he was such a character. And and it's one of the things I love about soccer is that it's one of the few sports that allows the fan to really be who they are while they're supporting their team. You can't see uh, fans with shirts off clapping, singing players' names in the NHL or in the NBA or, or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's that separation, I think, f- between the sports and the fans with every other sport. But with soccer, the sport is the fans. Uh, you could, I couldn't have said it better, man. You're right. Um, and it's always interesting, too, to see how somebody, um, like the, the, the spiritual aspect of, of thinking that they can dictate the outcome of any sports match you know what i mean like your guy had a ritual he was doing there because it's like you know who knows like maybe he can like because it's not as real it's like he's not on the field playing and having any actual direct impact in the decision of that game so it's like to to, to most people they're just watching it from a tv screen so it's like you know maybe you can't control that it's just like another thing in your day-to-day but uh I get that. I get how people can kind of have like the good luck stuff, but we're finally starting to get some technical issues here with this little bit of a delay between our conversations. So I'll definitely wrap it up. I just wanted to say thank you to the one and only Glace Bay's very own Mitchell Bailey. Um, look out for season four, which is coming out soon. I'm assuming, bro. Yeah, something like that, or maybe even a full length album. I mean, I'm focusing on releasing just singles and stuff right now, and and, and consistent weekly content and really good stuff, but yeah, we, it might it might almost it could be album time soon. Uh, but yeah, you can stream on Spotify, Apple Music. Just search Mitchell Bailey. Same with YouTube. All of my music videos and everything is all in one place now because I had the Bevo channel and the other channel and the Topic channel. Now it's all in one channel, so you can subscribe to me, Mitchell Bailey, on YouTube. All my music videos are there, and uh, yeah, Instagram Mitchell Bailey Seven, same as Twitter and Facebook. I have a uh, just. Look up Mitchell Bailey. You could follow me on my personal page where I most of my traffic is. And I also have a like page. You could like my artist page on there and and, and get that popping. And uh, yeah, those I think we covered all the grounds there, all the socials, man. And uh, yeah, this is my this is like my favorite conversation I've ever had publicly on a podcast or interview, to be honest. So this is fire. Well, bro, I I, I appreciate you for doing this with me, man. Like I said, we've been talking about doing this for a couple of weeks slash months now and it's it just seems like this gets in the way that gets in the way or life gets in the way but like I always say to you keep up the great work man um you are making some of the realest most enjoyable music I've been listening to for the last few years and I'm looking forward to see where it goes next bro I appreciate you man we'll uh we'll we'll meet up in person sometime when I'm in I'm in Halifax and maybe we'll do another episode like this soon Sounds good, brother. Sounds good. You take care and stay safe. Wash them hands. I've washed the shit out of my hands, but I'm not, I'm staying <laughs> safe, man. So I don't have to worry about it. I'm just in the house. So we're good.
All right, brother. Much love. You take care. You too, man. Thank you to Mitchell and Chris for putting these episodes together. Two parts are made for some great content. All of us here at the Down the Pool podcast offer our sincere condolences to the people who unfortunately lost their lives last weekend here in Nova Scotia. May they all rest in peace. Please look out for our episode with Joe Morelli. That's coming on Friday. Stay safe, everybody. Take care. And we'll see you soon.